the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. So what kind of faith do you really have? You know, your prayer life is a litmus test of that faith, as we'll see next here on Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner. Nothing shows just how faithful we are and how much faith we have in God than our prayer lives. A robust, abundant prayer life will show great faith in a person, while a lack of a prayer life shows a real lack of faith. And that's exactly what Jesus is getting at here in Luke chapter 18, verses 1 through 8. Christ's coming and prayer is the title of our message. Please join us. Here's Pastor Gary Wagner now with today's broadcast of Abounding Grace. Turn with me, if you will, to Psalm 58. We need to learn to pray psalms like this. Psalm 58, beginning in verse 6, concerning our adversaries. Oh God, shatter their teeth in their mouth. Break out the fangs of the young lions, O Lord. Let them flow away like water that runs off. When he aims his arrows, let them be as headless shafts. Let them be as a snail that melts away as it goes along, like the miscarriage of a woman which never sees the sun. Before your pots can feel the fire of storms, he will sweep them away with a whirlwind, the green and the burning alike. The righteous will rejoice when he sees the vengeance. He will wash his feet in the blood of the wicked, and men will say, Surely there is a reward for the righteous. Surely he is a God who judges in the earth. I doubt today there are many sermons on the 10th and the 11th verses of Psalm 58. Because Christians do not know how to pray for justice and to pray for the vindication of the church and the defeat of the church's enemies. There are a multitude of psalms like this, beloved. Turn to Revelation chapter 8. Revelation, New Testament, and you'll see a similar prayer. Learn to pray these prayers. God says He answers these prayers. Revelation 8, 1 through 5. And when he broke the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about a half an hour. And I saw the seven angels who stood before God, and seven trumpets were given to them. Then another angel came and stood at the altar, holding a golden censer. And much incense was given to him, that he might add it to the prayers of the saints upon the golden altar, which was before the throne. And the smoke of the incense with the prayer of the saints went up before God out of the angel's hand. And the angel took the censer, and he filled it with the fire of the altar, and he threw it to the earth. And there followed peals of thunder and sounds and flashes of lightning and an earthquake. Well, incense is a symbol of prayer. 
And as the aroma ascends into the heavens, it's a symbol of prayer ascending into the nostrils of God. And this passage says that when these prayers ascend to the nostrils of God, God casts fire upon the earth. And then beginning with verse 6 and going to the end of the chapter, it eventuates in the destruction of all the enemies of God. But it is prayer that calls down this fire, beloved. Our prayers play a central role in the defeat of evil in our culture as we pray for justice and for the vindication of God's people. And beloved, that's why we here at RHC are dedicated on the third Saturday of every month to pray in front of the baby-killing centers on the Alameda. And I plead with you to please join us out there. It is our prayers that will bring down these clinics and will put an end to abortion. Now, what is the basis for this kind of prayer? Praying that God would deliver us from our adversaries, that He would display justice on our behalf, defeat our enemies, vindicate our reputation. Well, the widow in our parable was simply pleading for what is right. That was the basis of her prayer. She knew that justice demanded that the judge help her. The church prays for what is right and just, even though the fact is that we don't deserve to be delivered to be rescued and vindicated. So how can we make such prayers with the confidence that God will answer our prayers for justice and vindication? Well, let's let Dr. Herman Hanko answer that question. He says, The answer to this problem is that the church pleads for the cause of Christ. Her cause in the midst of the world is not really her own, but is the cause of Jesus Christ, her Lord. Christ came into the world and died on the cross. He made the cause of God His cause by His suffering and death. And He calls His people to represent His cause and to maintain that cause no matter what may be the cost. Thus the saints pray for a cause which is not theirs only, but which is also the cause of Christ and of God. In other words, when we pray for justice and vindication, we are praying for the full vindication of Christ's name, for Christ's honor, for Christ's glory, for His majesty, for Christ's church. And Jesus here encourages us to never grow weary in praying for these things. To never grow weary in praying for Him to come in His providence and by His Spirit and Word converting and destroying His enemies and delivering and exalting His church until that day, Scripture tells us, when the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Why can we be certain that God will hear our prayers for justice and vindication? When we cry out for these things, we don't deserve it. So how can we be certain that God will answer prayers like this? Let me give you the short answer. Because God is not like the judge in our parable. That's why. God is the judge of the universe who always does what is right and just. 
He loves his people with a love that never falters. He will always hear the prayers of his people. It is his will to save and exalt people as they cry out to him in prayer. So then the certainty for prayers of justice and vindication are based on two things. Why can you be certain that God hears your prayers for justice? Number one, those who pray them, to use Jesus' words, are God's elect. In Luke 18, 7, it says, Now shall not God bring about justice for his elect? God loves whom he elects with an everlasting love and an unchangeable love, a love that is so great that, as one said, it can only be measured by the cross and the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. God has predestined for his people glorious things, and they will be accomplished. He has promised us that. God has promised to cause and deliver his his elect from all of their enemies and to cause everything that happens in life to work together for their good. How can you be certain God will answer your prayers? Because God said, if you are one of His elect, you can be certain of answered prayer. And you know whether you are one of His elect or not, if you have faith in Christ. Acts 13, 38 says, as many as were appointed to eternal life believed As many as were ordained or chosen or elect or predestined to eternal life believed in the Lord Jesus Christ. So how can we be certain? Because those who pray such prayers are God's elect. And God has promised to answer all of the elect's prayers. The second reason why we can be certain that when you pray for justice, God will bring it, is because God is patient. Why is it that God does not always answer our prayers for deliverance and justice and vindication immediately when we ask Him? It's not because He's unwilling or He's unable. It's not because He doesn't hear us or He's forgotten about us. It is because He knows, as one said, although we cannot see it, this way of suffering And oppression is the best way to bring us to salvation. Now think about that for just a moment. God doesn't always answer our prayers immediately for justice, deliverance, and vindication. Because he knows that this way of suffering and oppression is the best way to bring us to salvation. It is through fire that we are purified and prepared for our home and glory. Suffering is necessary in the Christian's life. It is the only way. It is indeed true that only through affliction that we can inherit the kingdom. In 1 Peter chapter 10, verse 5, we read, And after you have suffered for a little while. Beloved, that little while means throughout your entire life, however long it may be. It is just a little while compared to eternity. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who called you to His eternal glory in Christ, will Himself perfect, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. Now, there are a couple of words here on our text that I want to make sure you understand. They are the words delay 
and speedily in verse 7. And shall not God bring about justice for his elect who cry out to him day and night? And will he delay long over them? I tell you that he will bring about justice for them speedily. He says he comes to us and answers our prayers speedily. And that means after a short while. I tell you that he will bring about justice for us in a short time. What's he talking about? Well, bear in mind the parable, the context of the parable, everything that's going on in that parable, what Christ wants to accomplish in us by means of the parable. So what he is saying is that God will immediately, without tarrying, intervene in our lives and rescue us when he has come to the end of his long suffering with the enemies of his church. When his patience with the enemies of the church has ended, he is immediately going to come and rescue his people. It also means when our faith is ripe, then he is going to speedily come. When the faith of his elect is what it ought to be, and their prayers have that ardor and that fervency that you see in this unfortunate widow, when there is a maturity and a fervency and a zeal in their faith and in their prayers, he will come speedily. When suffering has done its work, God immediately comes and rescues us from whatever it is that is oppressing us. In other words, when God's long suffering with the enemies of his people comes to an end, and when the faith of his people has proven itself mature and persevering and fervent in prayer, then he will intervene speedily on their, on their behalf to deliver and vindicate them. Jesus will not keep putting us off, my friends. He may keep his people waiting to test and to strengthen and to purify their patience. But in his timing, he will always answer our prayers. So speedily means when he has done everything he intended to do by the suffering of his experience, of our experience, and it has accomplished its goal in our lives, then he comes and answers our prayers. Then is the word delay. Will he delay long over them? In what sense can it be said that the Lord's coming to his people in providence is delayed? Does anything keep God from doing what he has planned to do? Of course not. So the point is, answers to our prayers may seem to be delayed. But in fact, they never are. How do we know that? Because constant faithful prayer is always answered. Second, God relates to us and intervenes in our lives according to his eternal predestined timetable, not according to our timetable. And that is what it makes, that's what it makes it appear to be delayed sometimes. You know, we're in a hurry. We're suffering, maybe even tremendously, and we want freedom from it. We want to be rescued now, and so we cry out to God, and we expect him to save us from our misery right away. But he lets us endure it for a little while more. Can we say that he's delaying his coming? No. 
God is not on your timetable or mine, even though most of the time we sure would like him to be. God is going by his predestined timetable. He delays nothing. God always brings about the justice of his people. God's people can always rely on his faithfulness. And sometimes God's people must wait a little while before the prayers are answered. Therefore, unlike the unjust judge, God is never annoyed. He's never bothered by us when we cry out to him day and night for rescue. God never answers us out of frustration. God never answers us to shut us up. God answers our cries for deliverance and justice and vindication for one reason. He loves us. The question is, when a son of man comes, will he find this kind of persevering, faithful prayer in the earth? Will believers like you and me be faithful to Jesus Christ by constantly pouring out our heart's desire before him in prayer? In one way, this persistent widow is a picture of the church in prayer. Persistent, deliberate, not giving up crying day and night for something the church know God is going to give. He's told us, he's promised us. The world oppresses the followers of Jesus who have nowhere to turn but to God. So we wait in prayerful expectation upon God's intervention in the knowledge that he will most certainly honor our request. So by means of this parable, God exhorts his followers to remain faithful even though his coming in providence may involve patient waiting and even suffering on our part longer than we really want. In Revelation chapter 6, we see an unforgettable picture of this truth that Jesus is stating in this parable, Revelation 6, 9 through 11. And when he broke the fifth seal, I saw underneath the altar of the souls of those who had been slain because of the word of God and because of the testimony which they had maintained. And they cried out with a loud voice, saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, wilt thou refrain from judging and avenging our blood on those who dwell on the earth? And there was given to each of them a white robe. And they were told that they should rest a little while longer until the number of their fellow servants and their brethren who were to be killed, even as they had been, should be completed also. Don't be afraid to pray like that. Say, Lord, how long are you going to let these things go on in the United States? How long are you going to let it go down the road of iniquity that it's going down today? How long are you going to let your church be ridiculed and mocked and persecuted and oppressed and slandered? How long are you going to let these things go? And hear God say to you, listen. And tell everyone that I predestined to be killed for Christ is killed. And until everyone that I have predestined to be cursed, persecuted for the cause of Christ is persecuted. That's how long. Then when this number is complete, hold on to your hats. Because I'm coming to America and I will come speedily. There's a prayer for justice. 
that I would like us to constantly use as a pattern for our prayers. Turn with me, if you will, to Psalm 7. And as we come to this psalm, let me remind you of some of the truths that we've learned from our parable. Number one, God has his elect elect people that he will always care for. Number two, God always vindicates his elect people. Number three, God vindicates his elect people by their persevering prayers for justice, not their persevering prayers to be healed from their sniffles and their hangnails. Now let's look at Psalm 7. I simply want to first of all give you an outline of it. And then I'm going to read it. And then I'm going to pray. And I will pray that our prayers will be prayers for justice. Prayers that God has promised to answer in his own time. And here's the outline of this prayer for justice in Psalm 7. Verses 1 1 and 2 are a petition for deliverance from our enemies. Verses 3 through 5 are a petition for vindication of our innocence. We are sinful enough, but we are not as bad as the world says we are. Verses 6 through 9 are a petition for justice on our enemies. Verses 10 and 11 are a prayer of adoration of God's justice. Verses 12 through 16 are a petition for divine vengeance on our enemies. And in verse 17, a prayer of thanksgiving for God's justice. Now, beloved, I'm going to read it. And if you would, please pray this from your hearts as I read it. Psalm chapter 7. Lord, my God, in you I put my trust. Save me from all those who persecute me and deliver me, lest they tear me like a lion, rending me in pieces while there is none to deliver. O Lord, my God, if I have done this, if there is iniquity in my hands, if I have repaid evil to him who has who was at peace with me, or have plundered my enemy without cause. Let the enemy pursue me and overtake me. Yes, let him trample my life to the earth and lay my honor in the dust. Arise, O Lord, in your anger. Lift yourself up because of the rage of my enemies. Rise up for me to the judgment you have commanded. So the congregation of the people shall surround you. For their sakes, therefore, return on high. The Lord shall judge the peoples. Judge me, O Lord, according to my righteousness and according to my integrity within me. O let the wickedness of the wicked come to an end, but establish the just. For the righteous God tests the hearts and minds. My defense is of God, who saves the upright in heart. God is a just judge. And God is angry with the wicked every day. If he does not turn back, he will sharpen his sword. He bends his bow and makes it ready. He also prepares for himself instruments of death. He makes his arrows into fiery shafts. Behold, the wicked brings forth iniquity. Yes, he conceives trouble and brings forth falsehood. He made a pit and dug it out and has fallen into the ditch which he made. His trouble shall return upon his own head. And his violent dealing shall come down on his own crown. 
I will praise the Lord according to his righteousness and will sing praise to the name of the Lord Most High. And that'll bring us to the end of our time today here on Abounding Grace with our teacher and pastor Gary Wagner from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. Thank you for joining us today. It's our hope and prayer that we've been able to encourage you in Christ and stimulate your walk in Him. To address questions, comments, prayer requests, or concerns, please call or write to us. We'd love to talk with you. 408-866-5607 is our phone number, 408 408- Eight six six five six zero seven. You're also welcome to visit our website. Drop us an email when you do, reformedheritage.org. Real simple, reformedheritage.org. A lot of information there about who we are. We would invite you again to stop by, reformedheritage.org. Or if you're writing to us, the address is PMB, post mailbox, 402, and the address is 1484 Pollard Road, Los Gatos, California, 95032. That address can be found on our website, reformedheritage.org, or again, simply call 408-866-5607. Copies of today's program are just $5. Mention today's date, and we'll get a CD out to you. And please remember that we are listener-supported which means when you link arms with us financially, we're able to continue the ministry here on this station. It's a great way to study God's Word together, isn't it? And we'd love to continue to do so. Would you prayerfully consider how God might be leading you to partner with us? We'd love to hear from you. Again, won't you call 408-866-5607 or reformedheritage.org. Sunday services, by the way, if you'd like to join us, are 2 in the afternoon. We're located at Lone Hill Church, 5055 Lone Hill Road in Los Gatos. Directions can be found at our website, reformedheritage.org. Again, Sunday services are at 2 p.m. Further information can be found again at reformedheritage.org or by calling 408-866-5607. Thank you for joining us. Until next time, God bless. (music) 